Would you please stand with me and read the book of Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to verse 38. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to verse 38. We can read together on Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Let's read together. Jesus Before you sit, let me read verse 36 again. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and hopeless, like sheep without shepherd. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege and an honor for me to be here today. That, Lord, you can use me as your vessel to speak and preach your way to your people. I pray that, Lord, inspire whatever I'm going to speak to your people. Let your God speak to your people through your word. Lord, I pray that may each and every one of us be humble before you. May you be exalted. May you increase and may we decrease, O oh God. In Jesus' name, God, we pray. Amen. Let's get seated. I have entitled my message, The World is Sick. The world we are living in is sick in many ways. Be it in Africa, in Malawi, people are sick there. I'm not talking about sick of malaria and other things. But I'm talking of sick because of the sin that has impacted the whole world. Be it here in the U.S., the world is sick. People are tired of dysfunctional families. People are tired of, you know, seeing boys and girls being killed for no apparent reason. People are sick of hatred for no apparent reason in the world that we are living in. And people are also tired of false teaching that men and women are preaching out there. The false teachers are out there, are coming in large numbers. They are preaching, but what they're preaching is not the gospel. And only the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ will bring total healing to all humanity. Hallelujah. The text that I've read is talking about of Jesus Christ. It just gives us a glimpse of the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. He came to preach the good news. He came to teach the good news to the people. But he also came to heal the sick and to give hope to those who are hopeless. To give light to those that were in darkness, Jesus came to do that. And now, this afternoon, I'm going to ask you three questions that possibly can help us to understand better the text that we have read together. Question number one Where should we preach the gospel? It may sound crazy, but where should we take the gospel and preach the gospel? 
Is it only in the suburb areas? No. Is it only in the cities? No. Is it only in our areas where we are coming from? No. Everywhere we need to preach the gospel. Be it in Africa, be it in here, we desperately need to preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In verse 35, I like what Jesus, on verse 35 it says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues. Jesus had no boundary when it comes to preaching the word. Jesus had no one place to say, you know what? That place looks cool. I'm going to go there. I can't go to North Philly. Jesus, if Jesus was here, I don't think he would say, I can't go to Malawi. I can't go to North Philly because life is different from my comfort zone. It says Jesus, on verse 35, he went into all villages and in cities. Everybody say cities. In series, we need the gospel, don't we? We desperately need. Unfortunately, people, they are shunning some ways. They have got place where they're interested to go and plant churches. Thank God for Epiphany Fellowship Church. Here where you are, preaching and declaring the truth into our communities. May God bless you, and may God bless you, Pastor, for the vision. Jesus, he went into all cities and into all villages. The place that I'm coming from, 80% people live in the village. You have seen some of the pictures at the back. There's nothing like exaggeration. It's the way you see it. In the villages where 80% people are living without electricity, people where they're living without running water, but that's where 80% people are. The question is, who is willing to go and preach the gospel in those places. You know some places that seems to be tough and difficult in this nation, don't you? Where some men have said, no, no, I can't go there. Somebody else should go and preach there. There, there are people who have gone to, I mean, to, to colleges, to seminars. They have graduated. They have kept their degrees in the pocket, and they have gone back to the places that seems to be comfortable. Jesus, he went into the cities and into the villages. In 1700s, late 1700s, there was a man from England by the name of William Carey. William Carey, when he knew, when he came to know Jesus Christ, his heart was filled with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He desired to see the whole world receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one day, he was a Baptist, by the way. One day he went to the leaders of the church. He went to the leaders of the church and he said, can't we take the gospel to some places like India and Africa? Why he was saying that one of the leaders, he was a young man, by the way, probably just like me, or slightly younger than me. And you, know, you know some meetings when you have got the big duties in the meetings? And uh, as he was trying to say, one of the duties, he said, shut up! You have no idea, no clue what it means to go to India. India at that time was in the bush. People were literally worshipping snakes. People had no any access of whatsoever. But here is William Carey, young person as he was, 
And he says, because we do not care for those people. They are men and women created in the image of God. They too deserve to know and to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But God, I thank God that it did take time. They accepted and he went to India. Was it easy to be in the village in India? Obviously no. He lost his son. When you, when you read the book about William Carey, the bibliography about William Carey, when his son died, in the entire village, nobody came to help him to bury his own son. He buried by himself, but he understood that they needed the gospel, so he didn't quit. His wife, as if that was not enough, few years later down the line, his wife died of malaria. He never quitted. He kept on preaching the gospel. He left his comfort zone in England at that time. Things were better off than in India. He stayed there. And he remarried again. And his wife again died. Losing three most valuable people in his life. He never quitted. To cut the long story short, he stayed there for 42 years, preaching and teaching the gospel to the people of Asia. He understood that the gospel should be taken even to those places where people say it is hard, it is difficult, we can't go there. What about you, dear friend? What are you doing? Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone? Are you willing to say, God, only this year, I'm going to go and help the pastor who is planting church downtown? Or maybe you say, oh, no, that's not my business. That's pastor's business. When the teams are going for missions, team, thank God, this church, now they'll be going to my life for the third time. Just a few days ago, I was at the wedding of my brother there. It was beautiful, by the way, your wedding. It was beautiful. I was talking to one of the people sitting closer to me. She said, I go to church. And then I said, have you been to Africa? She's like, no, I've never been to Africa. I'm afraid to get a shot, so I can't go to Africa because of that. <laughs> Jesus went into the villages and into the cities preaching the gospel because it's only the gospel that can bring healing to the people. That's question number one. Number two. Why should we preach the gospel? Why do we need to go to places and declare the gospel to the people? Why should we do that? The answer is on verse 36. Read with me if you can, please. On verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without shepherd. Because people need our compassion and show them that Jesus loves them and he died for them. People need to do that. Imagine if it wasn't for the gospel of Jesus Christ, where would you be today? Brothers and sisters, seriously, if it wasn't for the gospel of Jesus Christ, where would you be today? And probably some of us would have been dead. Maybe some of us would have been in jail. 
Maybe some of us would have been somewhere being afflicted, just like what other people are facing today. But because Jesus is compassionate, he touched your life. And today you are who you are by his grace. Do you have compassion for other people? Do you have compassion for other people? When you hear about the mega churches that are not preaching the gospel, do we have compassion for those men and women who go to such churches? I'm coming from Malawi, where the prophetic ministry is gaining momentum and people are being mislaid. Do we have compassion? Do we have compassion when we see pastors that have gone to seminars and have graduated with a degree and PhD and yet they are standing on the pulpit, they are telling people same-sex marriage is okay. Do you have compassion when we hear such things? When you hear such things, how do you feel, brothers and sisters? Jesus, he says, when he went in the synagogue, there were people who were teaching, by the way. But they were teaching the human traditions and not the word of God. Across the world today, our churches are facing the same challenge. In our churches, we do have some pastors that are not preaching the gospel. But there are many people who are following them in their large number. And Jesus, he says, he has compassion for such people. It is his compassion that made him even to die on the cross so that we can receive his mercy and his grace, that we can be called the children of God. He died for us on the cross. I might be speaking to somebody today who has been afflicted, and you know that there are many churches have disappointed you. I'm here to tell you Christ is a compassionate Savior. Maybe you have been rejected by your families, by your boyfriends, your husband, your wife. I'm here to tell you that Christ is compassionate Savior. He is. He's a compassionate Savior. That's why he died on the cross. Sometimes as a church we have failed our duty to show compassion to people. We have become so judgmental instead of preaching the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. We have failed to show people how God loves them and died for them. I was talking about same-sex same marriage. Sometimes as Christians, we have made a big story. We have laughed. We have joked. We have talked all these things. Instead of coming closer to them and show them that Jesus died for them. We are not to love sin, but we are to love people. I'm not saying we should compromise teaching the truth. We are to stand on what the Bible says, but we should do it lovingly to the people. Yeah. If Jesus was here, would he just neglect people? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. In chapter 9, verse 12, when he went to the house of Matthew, who was a taxi collector, and by that time, the culture of the Jews regarded the taxi collectors as the worst sinners because of the nature of their job. Everybody, if you're a taxi collector, you're coming this way, they're like, oh my gosh, I better face the other way around. But here comes a compassionate, a compassionate savior. He comes and he says, today I'll be in your house. And he goes and to eat with him. 
And the people are like, what's happening? Look here. What's wrong with Jesus? Is Jesus going crazy to go to this man? Does he know the type of person he's going to? Jesus gives a simple answer. He says, it's the sick people who need the doctor, don't they? It's the sick people who need the doctor. Brothers and sisters, nothing can heal this country apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not how much money you have. It's not how beautiful you are. I'm coming, I've, I've been in Asian Korea. People are crazy with beauty. It's not how cute you look, buddy. <laughs> Never. Uh-uh. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's not how, how many degrees you have. Never. It's not how cool the car you're driving in the street and the music is goom, goom, goom. It's not about that. It's about being touched with the compassionate of Christ. And then you take that and you say, you know what? If it wasn't for Jesus to come down and to lay down his life, I would be gone. Then you take the gospel, you teach other people. Verse 37, he says, The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. In my country, there was a time my church is closer to hospital. One day, I saw a lady coming into my office. I let her in. She sat down. And I said, Lady, what is the matter? He said, Pastor, would you please come immediately and pray for my husband? He's in a critical condition. He's sick in the hospital. And I said, okay, I'll come. So I went there. The doctors, they gave me between five to ten minutes because he was in a critical condition. By God's grace, he was able to speak to me the time I get in. I shared the gospel with this man within that limited time that I was given by the doctors. And he said, pray with me. I need this Jesus. He received Jesus Christ by God's grace. That same night, he passed on. The following morning came. I didn't know. As I was getting again into my office, I saw that lady standing beside my office door. From a distance, I could tell that something has happened. And I said, what's the matter, lady? She said, Pastor, thank you for leading my life to Christ. He just passed on last night. She went on to say, would you do me a favor? I said, what kind of favor? She says, I want you to come with us to take the remaining, and I want you to preach at the funeral of my husband in my village, which was about six, seven hours driving away from, my, from where I was. At that time, I had no car. I had no any means how to get there. And she said, don't worry about transportation. There is a mean van where we are going to take the remaining of my husband. I want you to be among few people to get, to get in. So we get into that car. We sat on beside of that mean van. And we drove. We are reaching to that village around 3 o'clock a.m. Somewhere very far. It's a place that I've never been up until that time. Around 3 o'clock a.m., 
We, we, we get settled. We, we did not sleep that, that night. We did not even get into the house apart from the remaining and few women who went into the house. But the rest of the people, we just sat around outside. We, we light our fire there, just warming ourselves. And time came for preaching in the morning. And after I had preached about Jesus Christ, this is where my heart really, really, really my heart is as far as preaching the gospel is concerned. I saw many people coming to me. He said, Pastor Amanda, would you please consider remaining behind and teach us more about Jesus Christ and even possibly plant a church here? I'm like, ooh. <laughs> How can I do that? <laughs> Before it was too long, the driver, because the, the car was just hired car, and they were against time. They started, you know, making a hoot, a pee-pee, giving me a sign that, Pastor Amanda, it's time, let's go. My heart was broken. The best I could do was to say, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be praying for you. And I left that village. I went back to my place. When Jesus says that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few, he meant it. There are men and women who are waiting to hear the gospel. It might not be in Malawi. It might be in your own house. Get this. It might be in your own house. Your parents, your cousins, your uncles, your aunts. Your neighborhood which you are living in. What are you doing with the gospel, brothers and sisters? Jesus saved us not just to be cool. He saved us so that we can take the gospel and preach to other people. What are you doing? Are you compassionate to other people? As Christ himself is compassionate to us? When was the last time that you shared the gospel with somebody else? I like Paul. Paul is one of the people that I'm looking forward to meet when I go to heaven. In Romans chapter 1, on verse 16 and 17, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Many young people, we are ashamed to share the gospel with our peer groups. We feel like I'll look stupid among my people when I talk about Jesus. You're not going to look stupid when you talk about Jesus because you know it's, the, it's that gospel that will bring healing to that particular person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, the gospel has got the power. The gospel has got life. But what are we doing with the gospel? In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, he says, How can the people hear without somebody being saved? How will the people hear the gospel when nobody has gone and preached the gospel? How will the people be saved? And this is a great preacher, Paul, saying that. What are you doing? In your comfort zone. My prayer is that you do something to the gospel. Lastly, last question. What should we do? Read with me verse 38. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking in verse 38. Then he said to his disciples... I'll start from verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He's calling you. He's calling me. He's calling everybody to do something. Even prayer. Even prayer. It's not only about writing a check. It's not only about all these other things that we think, even prayer. He says, consider this, ask. Ask, in other words, talk to God. Because these people are his people, by the way. Ask the Lord of harvest. That's what he says. Ask the Lord of harvest to do something to send laborers into the field. Some of us, we are, we, are very, we, we are just happy sometimes when we come to church. When pastors are preaching mess, good message, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. But we never even take a minute to pray for the pastors and their families. Every pastor needs you and I to pray for them. Pastor Mason mentioned earlier on to say that when you're planting a church, there are circumstances that challenges the ministry. There are things that we face in the ministry that requires you and me to kneel down and to pray for the ministers. But also pray that more people can respond to the calling of preaching the gospel. We need more men who can say, you know what, I'm going to be in Philly even when there are few people planting churches there. I mean, I'm so thrilled today just looking at the pastor who's going to LA to plant a church to see what Epiphany is doing out there, to hear that today you'll be going out and the prayer walk. It's not just walking in these streets, but pray that something should happen. Yes. Pray that God should touch men and women who are harassed in this series. Yes. Men and women who are broken, pray that God should do something for them. Are you willing to do that, brothers and sisters? Are you willing to pray as I'm closed? Are you willing to do something to pray for the pastors? To pray when the mission teams goes to Malawi and beyond to other nations? Do you pray for them? Do you consider supporting their effort? Do you see that the gospel needs to be propagated across the world? Do you consider to be compassionate to men and women who are tired of the things of this world? Who, need, who desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you. Jesus came in this world to be our good shepherd. He came in this world to be our redeemer. He came in this world to redeem us. And not only to redeem us, but even those that are outside there. Not only us, but even in those places, sometimes you watch on TV, you see all these news on TV, and you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and it ends there, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Do something. It's even worth it sometimes to take your remote and to switch off and be on your knees and start praying that God touch Syria. God touch beat Nigeria. God touch Africa, Asia. It's time that you can do that, brothers and sisters. But most of the times we are so emotional and it doesn't get up here. To be compassionate, it has to touch your heart. It touched the heart of Jesus that he even laid down his life on the cross so that you and I today 
we might be saved. My prayer is that you as a church, you as an individual, you as a family, you consider to do that. May God bless you as I'm speaking for you for the last time because I'll be leaving on Wednesday. Truly, God bless you and he entice your heart to do something for the series, your neighborhood, your, your friends whom you know. Do something for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May God bless you. Pastor, God bless you so much for allowing me to be here. Pastor Rari and everybody, God truly bless each one of you. Let me quickly pray. <coughs> Father, we thank you so much. There is so much brokenness today in this world. There is so much hurt in this world. People are tired of all kinds of things. And only the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer to that. My prayer, Lord, my prayer to you. Bless this church, Epiphany Fellowship Church. Bless the pastors, oh God, who are dedicated and have sacrificed their life to witness the gospel in this city. Bless each and every family who is here today, God. Lord, I also pray there are those who are here today. They have been hurt in one way or the other that you touch them because you are the compassionate Savior. That those who have got no hope, bring them hope to them, O oh God. Those that have not felt being loved, God, I pray, let, let, let them experience the love the shalom, the peace of you, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much. You sent me to be among these people. I bless them. I bless them. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.